1: Aaron, and like curse him out, like F you God, I hate you. If you're real, you did this to me. I didn't do this to me. I was I was just listening to doctors and now look at me. I went back and forth from not believing in God altogether because it's like, why would God allow something like this to happen to believing he was real just to blame him for my addiction?
0: Stories stir the soul.
1: Stories reveal.
0: And stories heal.
2: In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough.
0: Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor,
2: we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough.
0: Hey there, and welcome back to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Petz.
2: I'm Todd Isburner.
0: Yes, you are. Thank you. (laughs) You know, lately, I know you've heard this a lot too, Todd, but people are throwing around the word addicted, like Mm. I'm so addicted to social media or I'm addicted to work or I'm addicted to ice cream.
2: Oh, yeah, true. In fact, (laughs) uh, we're kind of loose with that term without Mm -hmm. really understanding that there could be a horrible impact to what a real addiction is.
0: Yeah. And today we're going to hear an incredible breakthrough story from yeah. someone who was in the depths of drug addiction with seemingly no hope yeah. until that is God stepped in and he just changed everything.
2: Oh, I love this guy. Our guest today is Christian Edwards. And he serves as the spiritual advisor for the King's Council Coaching Group, and he's helping members discover and develop and deploy their true identities and their God-given purposes on earth, and he is good at that, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, he's a living example of God's grace uh, as he once ran from and rebelled against God in a tumultuous 14-year drug addiction that started at the age of 16. Wow! So in 2011, at the age of 30, God blessed him with the gift of desperation as he was at the end of his rope. And uh, his last two options on earth were to either end his life or to surrender his life to Christ. And he surrendered and was immediately delivered from his addiction by the power of the Holy Spirit. He quickly jumped into serving in ministry. Don't you love that? Yeah, Quickly
0: jumped. Just went right there. Okay. I'm (laughs)
2: free. I'm delivered. And I'm going to jump in. And and, uh, just a few months later, he married the woman who led him to Jesus and Christian and his beautiful wife, Lucy have five kids and they've dedicated their lives to serving God and serving others. So my brother, we welcome you on in Christian Edwards.
0: Welcome Christian. We're so happy to have you. Hi.
1: Hey, it's Adam Wendy. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you today, and I just love you guys. I want to honor you guys for what you're doing here and the impact that you have, not just on my life, my wife Lucy's life, but everybody that's around you guys. Honor to you guys. Wow, thank you, and an
0: honor right back at y'all. Yeah. We love y'all dearly. Yeah. Y'all you are know that smile on his
2: face says it's I am
0: contagious. a man
1: free in Christ. I mean it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen.
0: Well, you know, Christian, um, you you had a battle, of course, with drug addiction, but so many people are struggling with other kinds of addiction that they may not even know they're struggling with or even want to admit it. So what, in your words, um, is exactly addiction and how does someone fall into addiction, whether it's social media addiction, drugs, shopping, pornography, or ice cream, otherwise, whatever, yeah. whatever that addiction is. let's Let's talk about that first.
1: Sure, addiction in my eyes is just bondage. It, it's it's mm. a stronghold that's over you, and whether it's pills, other drugs, alcohol, um, sex, food, no matter what the addiction is, it's a stronghold. It's something that has its grips in you, and mm. it, you have a hard time breaking free. And, and for me, I, I realized that fourteen years of battling addiction on my own, and it's crazy because I didn't even classify myself as an addict the first couple of years into it because I was prescribed, you know, prescription painkillers for an injury. And I just kind of fell into the addiction. Um, But I realized that all addictions are kind of the same. It's a stronghold. It's something that, man, I can't free myself on my own. And thank God I came to the realization it was through Jesus that I could.
0: Amen. And and don't you think, you, you you said you didn't realize you were addicted. And I think that that's what happens. It's that it's that frog in the kettle of the, the water that's turning hot and end up being boiling. I think that's how all addictions typically start. It's like, oh, just for fun, I'm just going to do this recreational whatever, or just for fun, I'm just going to sneak a peek at whatever pornography or just for fun, I'm going to buy this or that. And then it just leads to um, more of that reward um, receptor going off in the brain. So I think that that is a slippery slope. But when you you went through your journey and you said you, you were doing this on your own, we like to talk about and find out your faith story because this is where everything changed in your life. Let's, let's talk about where were you in your faith and then how did, how did you and God meet up?
1: Wow. So we have to go all the way back to when I was a teenager because this is when the injury happened. This is where I had my first of four back surgeries and I was first prescribed prescription pain medication.
0: And how did you get injured?
1: Basketball. I was a junior in high school. I transferred from high school in Jefferson Township, New Jersey, where um, it wasn't a big time basketball school, but I was pretty good. So I transferred to uh, St. Benedict's Prep in Newark, which was a basketball powerhouse and really I I just I didn't even have aspirations of playing pro I I didn't even really care I just wanted to play in college I wanted to go to college for free Mm. Um, so when I got injured it was the last practice before the first game of the season my junior year of high school and you know as far as recruiting standpoint junior year is really the most important year and I was just ready to shine and here I am the last practice before the first game of the season I take a charge and just fall on my butt. Like you do a million times playing basketball, you hit the ground and I just had terrible pain shooting down my legs. So, um, but where I was, as far as my faith at that point in high school, I grew up in a wonderful home. My father was a great father. He was a retired captain of the North police department. And at this point was, in charge of security for a couple different hospitals. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. I, we, my sister and I were spoiled to death, uh, mm. have really no complaints as far as my childhood, but there was no God in, in my okay. household growing up. There's no faith at all. And I remember as a little boy, Uh, just falling asleep at night thinking, man, there's got to be something to this. It has to be a God out there. There has to be somebody who created all this, but nobody ever taught me about God at all to the point where even in high school, it's funny. It wasn't until Lucy came into my life where I actually heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't. That's amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Northern New Jersey. I'm in a highly populated area. And right. I didn't hear the gospel and I didn't run from it necessarily. It's just that my parents weren't friends with any Christians. And again, there were good people. It's just, they didn't hang around in those circles. They didn't go to church. I mean, my father... Uh, we'll call himself Irish Catholic because he's Irish and, you know, you're supposed to say <laughs> Catholic after yeah, that, but by, by default, <laughs> you might have go to be. Uh,
0: Easter or Christmas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Right. But I, I, my entire childhood, I, I just felt a void. And it was really when I was a teenager um, when I was 15, right before uh, this back injury happened where a friend of mine died in a car accident. And I was just so lost because I, I was like, what what is this life about? Why are we even here? Are we just meant to be here to kind of suffer and die? I had tons of questions about God, but I didn't have anybody to give me answers at the time.
2: I think it's interesting too. Even you said earlier when you were a little boy, you, you had these thoughts. I wonder what's out there. Like, is there a God? And that in itself tells me that God was already beginning to prepare you. He'd already planted seeds in your mind to ask questions about him which is is the wonderful gift of God's grace isn't it and you just didn't know how to respond to that so here you are you're 15 you had a friend that died uh you're wondering what it's all about and you get injured what happened next
1: oh, what happened next is you know I'm completely just thinking about the now not thinking and, and this is this is the The change that I realized when I surrendered to Christ and I became, you know, I was born again and I I had the Holy Spirit, everything, every, every question or every fork in the road or every decision I had to make before that, it was just what's the best logical decision. There was no praying on it. There was no seeking the Lord. It was just, you know that's what my parents did. What's the most logical decision. And Mm. for that, it was, they took me to a surgeon who was a top-notch surgeon. He said, okay, we can have a minor procedure, get him back on the court in a couple of weeks. He won't miss his junior season. So, Hey, that sounds good. Let's go with it. So that's what we did and um, had a minor surgery, which, I mean, when you're talking about back surgeries, there's no such thing as a minor back surgery Um, and After the surgery, I was prescribed my first painkiller, and I had no idea what it was. Even before I transferred to that high school, my old high school, my old buddies who, you know, as we got into high school, they started partying, getting into drinking, smoking weed, and even other drugs than that. I stayed so far away from that because I had a plan. I I did have a good head on my shoulders. I just want to play basketball. I want to take care of myself. So I stayed away from all that. And then here's the thing with addiction, you don't know how you're wired until you yeah. actually try something. So I try I took that first painkiller thinking, hey, this is just a pill. I'm I'm this young, naive 16-year-old, my just listening to the doctors, listening to my parents. And I you're invincible
0: this, at that age, right? right, I, right.
1: <laughs> I take this pill that I think will somehow m- mend my back together the way it's supposed to be, because I had a herniated disc. Uh, my L five disc, and mm. all I know is I took it, and who was just this euphoria that I felt. I was like, "Whoa, I really like that."
0: Yeah, but, yeah.
1: And, and it just—that's when addiction got its grip in me, and from that moment till fourteen years later, it it had me.
0: Yeah. So right there, it, it, it's just a reminder that addiction takes us away from pain, no matter what that addiction is. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a counterfeit comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, but that addiction is just a temporary relief. And so while you felt that euphoric feeling, it wasn't mending your back, it wasn't getting you, um, healthy and well per se, it was just temporarily easing the pain. And I think that's really what addiction is. And so, um, I, I mean, you're, you're a good kid. You were raised in a good home. It wasn't a Christian home, but these were good people. And so I think typically people think of a stereotype of a person that is addicted. And so yeah, you um,
2: didn't fit it at all. Yeah. You don't, you no. don't really
0: fit that. Right? I mean, you're,
2: you're, you're a clean athlete who's very disciplined and this thing like seemingly snuck up on you, took you by surprise.
0: Yeah. So what, what would you say to the person listening that they they're not like the typical addicted kind of person or maybe someone in their family that um, doesn't fit that stereotypical look. What would you say to them um, in response to none of us are immune, right? Like what would you say? How easy, how slippery is that slope?
1: Well, that's just it. Uh, Nobody's immune. Addiction does not discriminate. And, you know, now I view things so differently in life. I, I'm aware of the spiritual realm and understand uh, the war that's going on constantly between our own spirit and flesh, the the war between good and evil, so to speak. Uh, yeah. I, and and I understand now that the enemy uh, will absolutely dangle whatever vice it is that each and every one of us has. And yeah, granted for me, it was these prescription painkillers, Um but if it were lust, if it were a sex addiction, if it was something else, the enemy would find a way to to stumble me and and get me caught up in that. Especially if, I mean, I don't want to give the enemy more credit than he's due. You're uh, certainly not omniscient like God is, Amen. but did the enemy have an inkling that hey, if this kid gets saved and and starts living for Christ, he's going to make an impact? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So maybe. He he uh, knew even at the age of sixteen he wanted to uh, to stop me before I even got going with that. But yeah, that addiction just does not discriminate at all.
2: Yeah, the, the devil comes to kill, steal, destroy, and he wanted to bench you from any activity that would be threatening to his kingdom. Right? Yeah, not just basketball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so okay, he, right. so here you are. You're sixteen. You're you're taking these painkillers. You're feeling wow. Okay, this feels pretty good. Uh, how long did, did that go on? And did you expect to get right back on the court shortly after that? And where, where did things
1: go? I did. Um, my back never healed properly from that surgery. So the pain didn't go away, which led the mm. doctor to just give me more painkillers and suggested doing a second procedure. Well, in the meantime, um, personal life, my father up and left my mother after 20 years of marriage. So that, that great household I grew up in, which I, you know, when you don't have a foundation of Christ, you don't have that solid rock in your life. You know, you, you make things like your family, your God, your everything. Uh, Basketball was a God to me. Um, Those were my two things. And now here I am, basketball is taken away. My family just kind of family life explodes. And then, to top it all off, my my first love, I kind of chuckle at it now, but my first girlfriend broke up with me because I was depressed about my back injury and my parents splitting up. So here I am, my, my world to a 16-year-old, my world's falling apart. But all I know is these little pills are making me feel better and, and allowing me to, to cope with it. And, and you know, addiction, it, it's not ugly right away or else people probably wouldn't get addicted. You know, those pills fill the void. But as you and I know, it's a God-sized void that I had in my heart. And those pills, they were filling it a little bit and it was temporary relief. But then all the while, that, that void was just getting bigger and bigger.
2: Did, did, you, did anybody ever mention to you or did you ever wonder, would the pills I'm taking become addictive? Am I going to feel like I'm always going to need these?
1: Not at all. And it probably wasn't until I was about 19 years old of taking them pretty much every day because I had that second back surgery um didn't heal properly from that one I graduated from high school I was like oh man what am I going to do with my life I can't play basketball anymore and even though I was taking these pills every day I didn't think of them as if oh I'm going to be stuck with these every day yeah, I'll just kind of living in my now, but not in a good way. Like I, not to just be present. It was just, cause I don't know what my future holds. So it's like, I just taking things day by day. And it wasn't until I was about 19 years old when I was like, you know what? Cause they started to turn a little sour on me. You know, I had to start taking more to get that feeling. And, you mm-hmm. know, I wasn't, you know, it, they kind of started taking a downward turn. And I was like, let me just stop taking these things. And I couldn't, you know, I, I tried yeah. to stop taking them and, you know, I got sick and you go through the withdrawals and withdrawing from drugs, especially opiates. It's it's horrible. So I was like, oh, man, uh, this is terrible. Uh, I need these things. And then that's when I would try to convince myself, well, you need them because your back hurts, you know, not right. because you you're necessarily right. Not because you're necessary. Necessarily addicted, and even that that word that that phrase at the time. It's like I, I'm not an addict, like like you just said. Here I am, this clean cut kid, disciplined, good head on her shoulders. I'm not an addict, but yeah. lo and behold, I I dealt over the next couple of years and having a third back surgery, and then. Finally, at the age of 24, having a fourth back surgery, which was pretty major. They went in through my stomach. They fused my spine together. Mm. And here I was where I knew at that point in my mid-20s, I was an addict. And I would even consider myself a junkie. And it went from saying, man, how did I get here in this situation? I didn't do this to myself. I was just listening to doctors to not even being able to look in the mirror to shave because I was just so ashamed of who I was. Mm. Couldn't look myself in the eye. Couldn't. I, I hated what I saw when I looked at my reflection. I hated who I was internally. I hated the way I looked physically. I just hated everything about myself. And it's like I, I would kind of go into these fits of rage where, because uh, there's just so much hatred inside of myself where. Um, the relationship I had with God at the time was to literally say, you know, middle fingers in the air and like curse him out. Like F you God, I hate you. If you're real, you did this to me. I didn't do this to me. I was, I was just listening to doctors and now looking. So I, I, I went back and forth from not believing in God altogether because it's like, why would God allow something like this to happen to believe in he was real just to blame him for my addiction? Being angry
0: man, Christian, you are talking to somebody right now. Like I have goosebumps all up and down my arms because people are maybe struggling exactly exactly with what you're saying. They can't even look at themselves in the mirror because they do not like who they are. And it's not maybe a drug addiction. Maybe it's a food addiction. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a pornography addiction. Whatever the addiction is, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it's a stronghold. And so I know that someone... Uh, needs to hear what you are, are are sharing. So let's let's fast forward a little bit here, because there is um, amazing hope in this story. And so let's fast forward a little bit here. You're at your age, twenty four or so. What are you doing? I mean, you you probably have different friends in your life, or or maybe you're kind of more uh, reclusive. I don't know. But what are you doing for work? Like, kind of where are you tracking with you at that age?
1: Yeah. So I had alienated pretty much everybody in my life, probably by the age of 20, 21. Because at first, you know, when you're kind of having fun, still taking these pills, getting high, you know, you're partying and you start hanging around those types of people. Well, soon it was, I just fell so in love with this drug where, no, I, I don't want to even share you. I just want to sit at home and enjoy you to myself. So I alienated everybody. And then as that hatred grew in for grew for myself. I hated everybody around me. I just walked around kind of with that life isn't fair mentality. If somebody had something going for them, I was jealous and hated them because of it. it because I got the raw deal. Why didn't they get the raw deal? But at the age of 24, I was working a job at a hospital where which my father got me the job once I had been to three different colleges, you know, just as an addict and not really caring about my future. So I bounced around to three different colleges, finally dropped out. My father, who, like I said, was retired from the police department was in charge of a couple different hospital security departments. He got me a job doing hospital maintenance. And for me, 21 years old, I was like, all right, it's a job. My father's telling me uh, he's getting me the job at something. So let me try it. But at the age of 22, 23, 24, all the way up to my late 20s, this job just pretty much enabled me to be an addict because I worked off shifts. I worked overnight shifts and I just stayed oh, in the
0: Accountability.
1: Hospital. Yeah. I, I stayed in the hospital maintenance shop, uh, just doing my drugs there rather than sitting at home, doing them. And I worked by myself. So it was just, I mean,
0: the irony of you being in a hospital yeah. and you're sick, right. I mean, right. with the addiction and, and you're not getting, yeah, that's an illustration <laughs> for is. life right there. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, so, what happened next you, you You're very aware that you have this addiction. Yeah. You are still believing that God is the one to blame. you can't really help it because you didn't ask for all this pain, and this is the only thing that took away the pain. You didn't like yourself, you'd look in the mirror and you you, you were repulsed by what you saw you're You're sort of a reckless, avoiding everybody man that's that that's a life to me that sounds like it would be on the border of suicide. like what's the point of living what what kept you going?
1: I was suicidal, especially if you think back to my teenage years when my friend passed away and still still not knowing what's the point of all this. So if I was thinking that at the age of 15, 16, just pondering life, pondering what happens when you die, here I am, my mid-20s, my life's a wreck. I'm like, why why am I even living this life? And I did, I, I would say I was suicidal and there would be many nights where I would take probably that enough drugs that maybe I wouldn't wake up in the morning. But honestly, mm. I was too scared to just, I could have easily just taken everything I had and surely would have done it. But I kind of played that, that game because I kind of wanted to die, but I was afraid because I didn't know what would happen if I died. Mm. And quite frankly, I would definitely say it's the grace of God that yes. allowed me to not pass away because the, the amount of of drugs that I was taking And, you know, with the painkillers start taking the Oxycontin, crushing them up and snorting them. And Mm -hmm. I tried taking other drugs to wean myself off of the drug I knew I had a problem with. And just it it was a it was really a mess. And there's really no reason I physically should have been able to withstand that at all
2: you didn't have the ability, the know-how, the the drive to get yourself out of this, to put yourself in treatment or anything. So something happened. God stepped in
1: somehow here. Tell us about that. God stepped in, in the form of Lucy. Lucy.
0: Well, uh, go Lucy. But, go Lucy. I was going to say
1: Lucy <laughs> Edwards. That's her name now. Cause thank God, I, God blessed me enough to uh, call her my wife. Um, yes. But she, yeah, so Lucy Samillion at the time, she came into my life, she worked at the hospital, and it's crazy cuz there was just something different about her. Something different and you guys know her, um, at time. amazing,
0: amazing I, woman. You don't have
1: to co-sign for this cuz you're sitting next to your wife and I wouldn't expect <laughs> you to, but she's the most beautiful woman on earth. In uh, my opinion. Yes, in my she, opinion. <laughs> very, very, very beautiful.
2: Yes,
0: yes,
1: I understand. Inside and totally. out,
0: inside and out.
1: Yes. Yeah. So she was just different. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out, I, you know, I had to walk past her department to get to my, to the maintenance shop every day. And, you know, we just would start talking and I had no idea why she would even give me the time of day. Here's this woman. She um, was in a management position. She was just like, you could tell she was a leader. You could tell she was like a, a boss. You could tell she had it she was too good for me. Bottom line, too good to even (laughs) be speaking to me,
0: but she did.
1: Yeah. She was the kindest woman in the world. And there was just something about her that I just instantly respected. And I just held her in such high esteem because I mean, to be candid, I I was trying to fulfill my flesh in every way that I could when the drugs weren't really doing it anymore. And That was a few years in. So I'd be chasing girls at the hospital and really trying to sleep with any girl that would possibly sleep with me. But Lucy was the one girl that I just instantly, a woman that instantly I just respected. And I was like, whoa, I'm not even going to try those games with her.
0: The Holy Spirit was shining bright through her. Yes, it was.
1: And, And that's really what it was. I came to realize that what was different about her was simply the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that was just dripping off of her. And I was able to see for the first time. Now, keep in mind, I'm able to kind of piece together after. it. Like when I first see her, when I first meet her, start developing a friendship with her. I'm not putting this all together, but it's really the first time I ever felt that type of love in my life, because it was the love from somebody who had the love of Christ in them.
0: The way our Heavenly Father loves us that agape love.
1: Yeah. yeah. She was
2: your Jesus with skin on and you yeah. started to see the reality of who God is. How did that start to shift your thinking? Cause you're a guy who, you know, you were blaming God and you weren't even sure if he was around and now you see Jesus inside of somebody. What, what was happening to your thinking?
1: Yeah, well, she and I developed such a close relationship, even to the point where it made me think, okay, there's something more to this because it doesn't make sense that she would even be friends with me. Mm-hmm. And, and even like the dynamics of the type of people we are, like she's a single mom with four kids. She's, I mean, Lucy's a black woman uh, who grew up like in a poor, poor situation. I'm this tall white dude who grew up in a, a good situation. Like we're just from two completely different worlds but and
0: yet you're not. Yeah. Right, right. And yeah.
1: we just clicked, well, personality-wise, like there was something there we clicked. And um definitely if there's anything good that was still in me, she brought it out because I just I just respected her so much, but she absolutely nice. loved me in a way that I had never felt and we became really best friends in a short amount of time and, and that that friendship, I she was, you know, we talk sometimes uh in, in King's council in that coaching group, we talk about sneaky Jesus and man, yeah. would, she was ninja level with sneaky Jesus where <laughs> she knew, she knew I would run for the Hills. If she even like, if like, she would give me scripture without letting me know it was even scripture. She wouldn't oh, open the Bible. It. Oh yeah. She would. Uh, she
0: should be sitting here with you on this interview. Cause man, she's amazing. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, so I just, so cool. I got to
2: stop for a second here because it, it, it I'm just very aware that there are some who are listening whom God is tapping on the shoulder right now to be the Jesus with skin on for somebody, Be the
0: sneaky Jesus,
2: just like Lucy was for Christian. Jesus has got your number and there's somebody in your life who needs to understand what the real love of God is all about. And they're never going to experience it apart from you stepping out just like Lucy did towards Christian and letting that love of God flow through you. Be that sneaky Jesus for somebody today.
0: Yeah. And share the, the fruits of the spirit with, with somebody else. But, um, yeah. So you're, you're, you know, having this friendly relationship with Lucy. When did it all happen where she's like, yeah. when, when did y'all go on your first date? Like how'd that happen? Did you just get this yeah. coldness in you? You're like, Hey, you know,
1: <laughs> it, it didn't even feel like a first date. Cause we were really just such close friends. And, and awesome. so it didn't feel like a date, although I could tell you probably the exact. Date that it was, where we went, the boots we sat in, because um, was. you were wearing? A hundred percent. I know exactly what I was wearing and what she was wearing. Um,
2: right, that's that's too good.
1: But with her, um, something that she would tell me a little bit later was: as soon as I came into her life, even before we became close friends like this, God was speaking to her and told her, "Through loving kindness, will I draw thee?" And she mm, ex- explained that to me that. When I first came into her life the Holy Spirit told her directly and explicitly I'm going to use you to get to Christian's heart and wow. and so she was on mission from the second mm. that that she She saw me and we we really became friends. Now, did that mean that she was disingenuous by with the friendship and all that? No, we really clicked. But it was it was a God thing, for lack of better words, just a complete God thing, because she I mean not only did well, she lead me to the Lord and we'll get into exactly how that happened, but I mean, she's my wife. So it, it was a complete God thing. She was, she's not just still on mission for the Lord. Like I'm obedient. I don't know if this man's my husband, I'm just obedient. You know? right.
2: Wow. No, that's good. That's right. Because, because she was being obedient, Yeah. but not for the sake of being obedient. She was being obedient because she loves God yeah. and he had her on an assignment and she was just, yes, Lord. Okay. And I'm wondering if, in the very beginning was it a surprise for her like when did the surprise occur to her like you know i'm actually attracted
1: to this man i I kind (laughs) of like this dude i like to tell her the first time she saw these blue (laughs) eyes there you go of course course. and she says absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not that wasn't what it was yeah i i think that early on there was something a little more that like we both felt i felt it i remember even calling my mother and saying mom, I think I I met the one. Now this was before Lucy and I had any sort of even intimate relationship, but I said, this has got to be the one. She is absolutely perfect. And, um, and my mother, she like, she was all for it. You know, she, it it was great telling my mother about this woman. And I mean, again, in the natural, and this is where things started to shift because it wouldn't make sense. Remember, we just talked about making logical (laughs) decisions Like when I told a lot of people, Hey, I think this one's the one for me, this, this single black mom with four kids they are like, are you crazy? Like, you really want to walk into that? And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the path that I'm on. And this is the plan. I quickly came to see that this was the plan that God had for me. Um, But to even kind of fast forward to when I actually surrendered to Christ. So Lucy, even though she wasn't, she was still, she wasn't the perfect Christian by any means that, and not that any of us are, but she was still working through some stuff. She had been through a lot in her childhood, been through a lot with, uh, um, with her ex-husband. And she was working through some stuff for herself, but she said to me, I think I want to take you to see a Christian counselor. And I was like, Christian oh, counselor. I, gosh, I love Lucy. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah, I love Lucy. Yeah. I, I said, I'm not even a Christian. I, I you sure. You, you know, I, I was trying to find excuses not to, but then at the end of the day, this was Lucy and I respected her. And I could say, honestly, at this point, uh, there was a love that I had for her. I loved her, whether it be friends or, or more than that. I just loved this woman who she was. Um, So I said, yes, I, I was obedient. And, this Christian counselor, I sat down in front of Christian counselor and Christian counselor. It, it was this, this older woman who just had, I mean, imagine Lucy, if she continues to grow in the Lord for 40 more years, it's like, or 30 more years, that would be this woman, Miss Winfrey, who sat down, looked me dead in my eyes, told me everything about myself and said, I'm going to send you to a rehab in Florida. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> kind of like, wow. wow whatever you say. Um, so I, not to ramble on with this point, but um, I set the the rehab date for like three weeks in the future. Cause I was like, you know, as an addict, you, you find every excuse. Oh, I have too much going on. I have work. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Meanwhile, every day I'm flirting with death by the amount of drugs I'm putting in my system. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lucy had told me um, right around this time, Every morning you wake up, thank God that you're alive. And I, she knew that I, there was days where I was contemplating suicide. There was days I definitely didn't mm-hmm. appreciate life, but I did it. I was obedient to her. I So I remember the first morning I woke up in the morning, opened my eyes, said, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. And I just kind of paused and looked around and nothing happened. I'm like, well well shoot, nothing happened. I called Lucy. I said, hey, nothing happened. She chuckled she said she said, we'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Well after doing that for maybe a week and a half, two weeks, I felt like there was something or somebody that was on the other end kind of hearing what I was saying. I felt the That's presence cool. of somebody. So then I started throughout the day just kind of talking to God. I'm like, okay, this is different and really establishing that relationship with him. And then, you know, this podcast, we talk about breakthroughs, you know, when I came to that, that point uh, where I believe God blessed me with the gift of desperation, it was just about a week before I was supposed to go to this rehab. I knew in my heart, I still wasn't going to go because I was scared to death. I've been taking these pills for half of my life and now I'm just supposed to get on a plane, go to a different state and stay there for at least 30 days it scared me to death and i knew how hard i had tried to you know quit cold turkey uh there have been a couple times in my addiction where i ran out even though you know i did for years go to different doctors just show them my scars and they just gave me whatever pills that i wanted um but uh really me getting to the end of my rope was being in a in a truck with her driving she said something to make me mad you know not surprised i was an angry addict and i just went into this rage i took a bottle of pills i you know i downed them i threw the bottle at her and we drove off the road i was driving i know even when I, every time i tell the story i'm like why how, why was i even driving and don't think lucy's crazy for letting me drive i was pretty functioning addict mm-hmm. even with what i was yeah. taking but we came to by the grace of God, just a rolling stop in the patch of grass on the side of the road. I remember I looked up, I kind of like blacked out in this rage. I looked up and I saw the look of fear in her eyes mm-hmm. and I just started bawling. I was like, Oh my God, it's one thing to do this and put my own life at risk, but to do that to her, a mother of four mm-hmm. kids, the, the woman to, to love me, like I've never been loved before. I was a wreck. So I said to her, I don't deserve you in my life, kick me out of your life, but please just help me get off these pills before they, before you do. She looked at me with a very firm and stoic face and said, I'll help you. But from a distance, she got out of the truck, called her friend to pick her up and then, yeah. And then that last week leading up to rehab, um, she kind of kept her distance.
0: It's it's healthy boundaries, and and that's that's a healthy person, especially yeah. with all that she has been through too. But you guys have, because we know you guys well. But you have a, a mutual respect and honor and love. Uh, and, and you you cherish one another, and that was started from day one when y'all were friends, and I think that's just continues to to snowball into even deeper uh, depth of those uh, those um, ways in which you take care and, and cherish one another. But I'm I'm so grateful that that God allowed. Um, first of all, Lucy to to just be willing that I mean not they allowed her, but that she was willing and that that you two cross paths because it could be a different story today. And so I think how many people are there that are listening out there that like you said earlier, how many times are we crossing someone's path and all it takes is that that little drop of of, of encouragement that could change their, their day or just that willingness to be patient and love someone in, in a way that, that Lucy's loved you. But mm. what would you say is, is the best advice for someone that um, maybe as someone that's addicted, that, that maybe they're living with them, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse. What would, what would you say to that person that is a Lucy in the situation?
1: Wow. I, I cannot thank God enough for Lucy and the way she acted through this whole stretch where she really led me to the Lord. Um, Stay persistent. If you know that, if you know God is real and that person's in situation, whether they've received Jesus or not, they need help. And Lucy was relentless with her prayer, uh, relentless with um, that sneaky Jesus relentless and, and even her patience or steadfastness to just put up with me, to simply put up with me because, um, you know, I wasn't a great person. And you can imagine if I hated myself so much, I hated everybody but Lucy. There was still, I mean, I wasn't great to Lucy at all times by any stretch, but stay persistent because you could be the the only semblance of jesus that that person has in their life mm. like juicy like lucy was for me um, yeah. i didn't have jesus anywhere else there was nobody else to to tell me or show me i wasn't at church i didn't i had never cracked open a bible i didn't know so you could shine the yeah. light of jesus Um, To anybody. And and think about Lucy. She led me to the Lord, which she did. I I finally surrendered that day I was supposed to get onto the plane to go to rehab. Uh, Just an unbelievable, powerful moment where we, Lucy, me, and the four kids, we held hands in a circle. I I didn't even know what it meant to really get saved. I, I just knew I had to surrender. I Lucy told me mm-hmm. enough about Jesus. I understood the gospel. I understood my need for a savior, not just to get sober, but to completely transform my life. And yes. when I surrendered, I remember so vividly, even though I don't know when Lucy was praying in that circle. I don't know if it was five minutes or five hours. I just know that I surrendered and I felt God enter me. I felt the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit come into my heart. And when I finally looked up, you know, after all the tears and all the snot dripping down my nose in that moment when I surrendered, I mean, even they said that there was an actual physical change. I mean, that my eyes were a different shade of blue. Like they actually yes. saw a physical transformation on the spot when Jesus came into my heart. And I mean, I didn't know the term like born again. I didn't know a regenerated heart. I, I didn't know any of that. But I knew right now that Jesus was living inside of me and I didn't realize at that moment, but what came came to be was I was delivered from my addiction in that moment because I got up the next day, I got on that plane to go to rehab and I just knew that God had me on a mission. Like I, I didn't know I was delivered. I didn't know exactly what rehab would look like for me, but when I got to the airport, the people there to pick me up, I just told them about what happened the day before I go to detox. I'm like, I don't need anything. Uh, let me tell you what just happened to me yesterday. That's let so me cool. tell you, I don't need. And they're like, no, you definitely need uh, with the amount of stuff you've been taking. I said, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Didn't take anything. I was in and out of detox in two days. I didn't get sick, which was a, a, an absolute miracle. I didn't get sick. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah, but it wasn't. What it should have been for somebody who detoxed after a 14 year addiction. I go to the it's rehab the portion. God. I'm sharing Jesus with everybody. And it's crazy. Within a week, there are people there calling me their Christian counselor. And I was like, Christian counselor? I don't even Lucy didn't even send me down here with the Bible because she didn't want me to get overwhelmed. She just wrote down some <laughs> scriptures for me to meditate on. And so, but so that's the, the
0: ripple effect of your surrender, Christian. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful thing.
1: Right. So, what well, you had just said, what would you say to somebody in that situation, Lucy's situation? Keep at it, because if Lucy had given up, I'd be dead, and not just physically dead. I, I would never been born again, and I'd be in hell right now. And then every single person that I've impacted with the gospel in the last ten years—I mean, this is a special time because it was just a couple days ago that I celebrated ten years of yes. saved and sober. So over the course of the 10 years, how many of those people have been impacted for Christ? And then what's the ripple effect? How many people have they impacted? So, and I'm not saying I'm out here, I'm Billy Graham or anything like that, but it is my life's passion and purpose to share Jesus and just show his love and, and give people a hope when they're hopeless.
0: Yeah. And saved and sober. I think that's the title of your book. If you've got a book in you.
2: <laughs> I think so too. Seriously. I just, uh, I'm still sort of in that moment where you're all holding hands and this mm. great invasion takes place yeah. and God comes in with all of his power and the power of the Holy Spirit and yanks out of you all that other junk that held you in bondage mm. and completely freed you. This, uh, th- This is what gives me goosebumps because this is an expression of God's love. And this is what his he wants power. for every single person. He wants that intimacy and that that power explosion inside. And I think it's uh it's real evident in your life, Christian, just watching. You're still saying thank you, Lord, for delivering and freeing me out of the bondage that I was in. And you express that every time you share Jesus with somebody else or or bring in some counseling or some Bible teaching. So talk a little bit about um, what happened with King's Council, because this is a wonderful coaching group and you are like the spiritual advisor. And sometimes it puts a lot of pressure on, you know, on a guy like you too. So get me out of this jam. Help me. Uh (laughs) You do a great job. Yes, (laughs) you you are. But talk a little bit about just this, this experience now and this uh, sort of this turn in your whole career and what God is doing with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, since I got saved in 2011, I was still a hospital maintenance guy up until this past year. I, I mean, things shifted. I actually started doing my work. I cared about what I did. I was a different employee once I got saved, but <laughs> That's good. Um, things are
0: getting um, fixed. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I learned where all the machine rooms were that I was supposed to be checked the previous <laughs> 10 years. Um, but I jumped into ministry right away Uh, when I, after I got back from rehab, I started going to church with Lucy and I just love church. I know they told me at rehab to go to the NA meetings and all that. I tried it. I went to church. I was like, I need church. I I don't need the NA meetings. And not to knock that if it works for other people out there, but I needed Jesus. I didn't need the NA meeting. So I went to Lucy's church. I went to, if there was worship nights, I was finding any church I could go to throughout the week. I just needed me some Jesus. Um, So I (laughs) jumped into serving in ministry right away at my church. Um, served in different roles, uh, moved on to another church. So over the years, I mean, my heart and passion was to share Jesus, was to do ministry. I had different uh, pastoral roles. I, I had anything you could possibly do at a church. I I did for at least a short amount of time over the past 10 years. I believe that, you know, God is so good. I believe that whole time he was still grooming me for something more than that. And I believe I, over the past ten years, I've been a good father. I've been a good husband. Um, I've been good and effective in doing ministry. But one thing that I learned uh, when Steve Weatherford and Riley Meek came into my life with their King's Council coaching program is that I was allowing good to rob me from my best. And, mm, and yeah. what I what I mean by that was I yeah we're all good if we compare ourselves to somebody who's not doing as well or not as good. So I knew that God had this calling on my life to serve him and aligning with Steve and Riley and King's council. Um, the way I see it is they just took every gift that God had put inside of me and allowed me to flourish in them. Like I was walking in them, but they really helped me to flourish in them. And that's really what their gifting is to, to discover, develop, and deploy the the God-given gifts that we all have. Um, so, you know, I just, King's Council has only been around for about a year. I just kind of joined a whole God story of even how they they came into my life or I came into their life. Whole God story for another podcast, Um, (laughs) but they came into my life and um, I quickly became. You know, I was just I was paying to be coached by them Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to grow. I wanted to excel. I wanted to advance. And quickly, I just kind of became like pastor over the small group that they had started. And, um, you know, I joined the leadership team. And then it was just this past February where uh, Riley uh, offered me a position to be like the, the spiritual advisor where I'd be able to quit my job at the hospital that's after amazing. 19 yeah. years. Oh. And yeah, so that's what, you I know do what? Now.
2: I'm, I'm picturing you on your butt falling on the basketball court when you were 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, God seen way ahead to what there is today in your life and never letting go. And I I, I just think that's got to be encouragement for any of us who wonder, does God really have anything good in this? Is there any kind of plan at all? And if we will stay true to believing that there is a plan. He'll fulfill that plan in our lives. Yeah. And Christian, you're you're a tremendous example of just your life offers hope to those who feel like they're stuck. Maybe they've got an addiction of something going on in their lives and they don't even want to talk about it. But deep down, they know something's not right. And your life presents hope and freedom. And this is what yeah. God wants for every single person. Get out of bondage and into freedom. Yeah. The
0: fall and, back can be the fall forward.
2: Yeah, exactly. So right. just thank you for shining yes. brightly for Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in King's Council and in every place else that you go, because you do bring the light of Jesus with you. And uh, the only person that outshines you a little bit is
1: Lucy. And of course, that's to be expected. <laughs> I agree. I agree. No arguments here. <laughs> All right, man.
0: Well, we adore you. Thank you so much for your time. Mm. And um, thank you for sharing your story. It is so impactful. So you are an inspiration and give Lucy a big hug from us, please.
2: Can okay. I mention thank just one you quick oh, thing or yeah. two? Yeah so there there's a uh, so there's something that you're going to offer folks Ooh, it's called yeah. 7 days of creation worksheet I've seen that and uh they can get that from you we're going to put this in the show notes sure. but just just text 7 days and you can text it to 727 472 3860 that's text 7 days 727 472 3860 and we'll have that in the show notes but you you really want to get a hold of that yeah. And uh, Christian love you man you are just a shining light thanks for being an inspiration today and uh and one who offers hope and encouragement.
1: Thank you guys it's an Thank honor you, to Christian. be with you. 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 I appreciate you guys. A blessing. right. blessings. Bless
0: you. Wow. Uh I mm. want to keep going. Yeah, I but I I want, thought, hear, I want to hear
2: part 2. Yeah, about, right. I thought too.
0: well but, could this be like a 2 hour podcast? Well, could it be? <laughs> maybe.
2: Well, you know it it's never it's never long enough when you're feeling mm. like there is hope on the horizon. Yeah. And um, there are so many of us that struggle in all kinds of different things. And maybe we don't see this. Well, I don't really have an addiction and, and maybe technically it's not an addiction, but there's something that's holding you back. Yeah. But something even that, that's, that's that dabble
0: that's, could become eventually an addiction. Well, yeah, We right? have to be very careful. Be careful. We don't flirt around yeah. with
2: things that lead to a severe addiction, but, but I'm just very, very aware that, um, that apart from the hope that God can offer us and apart from the power of his Holy spirit, we end up staying stuck. Yeah. And if you're in that place right now and you feel I just don't understand it, I'm just going to offer you the same encouragement that Christian did and that is surrender. Surrender. Uh, And how do you surrender? You just just surrender. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you can't read a book about it. You can't, you know, go through some sort of instruction manual. You literally, like you said, when you make a choice. Yeah. Yeah. You give it up, you give it to God.
0: Yeah. And it can be Experience like instantaneously, yeah. just like with Christian. I mean, yeah. in an instant. So think about that. Think about how freeing it would feel for all of the the stronghold of whatever that's choking life out of your life to be gone in an instant, but you get to choose. And so we we want to invite you to do that. And I hope that this interview with Christian Edwards inspired you, offered some hope in your life, and maybe it's uh, so that you know how to pray for someone in your life that's dealing with a particular addiction. But we hope that you will share this podcast and um, that it will be a blessing to others. But in the meantime, we um, ask that you would please give us a rating and a review and subscribe or follow to our podcast. And let's get the word out there. Let's start sharing God's truth and his hope stories to others. So be blessed and we appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough next time.
2: So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform.
0: And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah,
2: and also please share this with your friends and loved ones.
0: If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, Please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com.
2: Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to WendyPet.com.
0: Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.